I'm Dave Rubin and joining me today is the co-anchor of Fox and Friends, the host of the Brian Kilmeade radio show and author of the newly released book, Teddy and Booker T. Brian Kilmeade, welcome back to the Rubin Report. Dave, it's great to see you. It's good to see you. Because you have 87 gigs and 45 other jobs and a whole bunch of other stuff, we have limited time here. So I thought for a couple minutes, we'll kind of talk about yeah. news of the day in the media, then we'll dive into the book. Uh, you know, in this news cycle that we've been in for the last two months, have you ever felt that the world, at least from the position that you are taking every day on that couch, is, is kind of crazier and more out of control? Or is this just another recycled version of the craziness with a new topic? Well, I think solvable. I, I, I don't think anything is so complex where you think, where, where's the way out of this? The mud, I think everything is solvable. I mean, for example, in the Middle East, so how do you solve it? We can't totally solve it. I can tell you who the problem is, and you know it. It's Iran, right? Uh, asking them not to, to be nice and to be in the family of nations, I think it's safe to say the experiment failed. All right? Hamas, Houthi rebels, thanks for keeping it all H's, Hezbollah. The problem, believe it or not, these other nations are actually seeing eye to eye with us in many ways. And we did a good job. If I told you 15 years ago, Al-Qaeda and ISIS would be marginalized, we'd be all over them. Uh, and, you know, we could kind of move on with ourselves. And the Saudis, for the most part, would straighten out their school system and we wouldn't be raising generations of terrorists. You'd say, Brian, you're dreaming. But really, there's one nation that's the problem. And they saw the Middle East coming into line with the rest of the world. And they decided to try to blow it up with our, our key ally. The biggest surprise, Dave, has to be the protests has to be the college campuses. You know, if you're against the Vietnam War, I can make sense. If you're against, if you think African Americans are getting a hard having a hard time with law enforcement, let's hear your case. I get it, but I don't get this. I do not get the oh the Palestinian cause or Palestine needs to be free. And let me explain to you how much Hamas means to me. I'm thinking to myself, maybe for a day, mm -hmm. but I mean this is getting bigger and bigger. And over the weekend, the Manhattan Bridge being shut down by these knuckleheads yep. asking for a ceasefire in the middle of a ceasefire. Kind of unique. Does it surprise you that much, though? I mean, you guys cover all the college craziness every morning on your show as much as I do. I mean, with, with that as the backdrop, to me, it was not that surprising, actually. Too complex. You know, like, I, as I mentioned, you know, Vietnam War, I'm against it. Got it. Uh, you think that, you know, you think that uh, America doesn't belong in Iraq anymore? I understand it. I don't, it doesn't matter if I agree, I understand it. But you need a degree of thought and research to understand why you believe that Palestine should be there, that, uh, that uh, uh, Israel should not be defending itself. What the history was in 1948. What about the 20s with the Balfour Declaration? You got to actually mm -hmm. think, you got to pick up your phone. Ask Google or uh, your AI app you know, what exactly it is. I don't think any of them have any idea. It's just whatever's counter to what America's doing to the point where even the Democratic administration can't control the Democratic administration who mm -hmm. they are. How do, you, uh, how do you go about covering the news every morning in that you're doing a morning show, you're trying to be light about stuff, and you guys do a nice blend of kind of fun, light stuff, but then also... The serious stuff, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's bipolar in some ways, I suppose. I think it's like you. You have a great sense of humor, but when you speak, you, you do it from a well-researched background. This is my opinion. This is what I have to say, but you'll be self-deprecating. You'll make fun of other people, not me, because I think you, you're a little afraid of me. Well, okay, I, I leave that to Gutfeld. I leave that yeah, to Gutfeld. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I, I think it's the same balance. 
you know, uh, we try to you try to pick your spots. The day of the war, uh, October seventh. If you're kidding around, you're in the wrong business. You pick your spots during the day, and you see some of the craziness. Twenty twenty four to me is very much like sports. Yeah, you break it down. You look at the strategies. You look at the candidates. You look at the performance. You look at the numbers, the polls. Uh, I, I mean, I love that stuff. So you can have fun on the other side, but when it comes to you know routing, you know going into Hamas tunnels and you toss into Trey Yinks, not the time to go for a laugh. Yeah, for the record, he has become one of the best journalists in the business, like top five. The guy has just been absolutely, absolutely incredible. Let me just ask you one other political thing, and then, and then I want to yeah. talk about the book, because you just mentioned 24, and you know, Fox is in an interesting spot because there is this Trump-DeSantis thing. My sense is the polls don't make much sense, actually, and I think on the ground is a little bit different than that. But how aware are you of uh, what, your, what the base of your audience wants versus what you're thinking versus what your co-hosts are thinking? and the general zeitgeist is when, when you're covering all this stuff? Well, I mean, I'm lucky enough. I go on the five a lot and, you know, I'll fill in at night. So and then I got the Saturday show, which is really, and you've been on, yeah. is really, I feel like it's my own thing. One thing about us, we don't de-conflict with the hosts. So like we don't see each other until two minutes before. And I don't think anyone benefits from trying to get on the same page with your hosts. Uh, seriously. Uh, but um. I'm not really worried about the base, especially for the fact that so many people like so many in the Trump world are mad at Fox and they like Fox and then they don't. It's impossible. You know, if you say something nice about Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, that's called, you know, following the storyline. But another, since they're running against Trump, a lot of times the Trump people get offended. Uh, but you can't keep up with it. If you tried, your head would explode. Yeah. And also Trump. Uh, yeah. Trump sometimes hates Fox and other times, you know, we I go back and forth with him uh, on the air, off air, and I, I don't think he minds the sparring. And I think it's going to be fascinating. I mean, for anyone who's a Republican to say Ron DeSantis is the enemy, I find that laughable. If anyone doesn't see the talent of uh, Nikki Haley on the right, I think that's kind of, you know, you might not be your, might not be your, the person you're voting for, but my goodness, that resume, that strength, that background, husbands in the military, stationed over in Africa, kids, uh, Indian descent, you know, uh, knows international, really good state. You disagree with her on policy, but to get mad at me because I have an interview with her or uh, that type of stuff, I can't, I can't let that get, you know, I, they can't get to you. And also, you know, nobody in the Trump world loves Chris Christie, but please tell me an issue that Chris Christie is not conversing on. And it's, you know, the guy's extremely bright and successful. He's he made his his thing has gotten running against Trump. Sometimes you have Chris Christie, especially on the radio show and affiliates will like go ask me, you know, what am I doing? I'm like, what am I doing? I'm rounding out the conversation. Yeah. What am I doing? Look, of course, if you're on, you know, roughly our side of this thing, that bench is a hell of a lot deeper than what's going on oh. on the other side. And that's the part that we should probably all kind of come together on. But let, let's shift to the book for a couple minutes because I saw the title of the book and I haven't read it yet. I've got a copy here. But uh, this was not a book that I would have expected you to write. I, I, I just didn't know this was interesting to you or that you that this is sort of in your wheelhouse. A couple of things. They did the President of Freedom Fighter, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, that battle for America's soul. And I want to move up in time. I kind of, I always had passion for history. The reason why, uh, Dave, we probably would get along uh, if we hung out is because we have passion for news and I want to put it in perspective. History helps me and I enjoy yeah. it. 
Yeah. Number two is I, so I did George Washington's secret six book about the spy ring. I looked at that for 20 years and Bill O'Reilly was actually one that said, I never heard of this story. You should do it. Kind of helped me through it. And then I started doing one after another and I got to the civil war and I was like, duck it. It's George Floyd. Stay away from <laughs> it. You don't want to, you don't want to talk about race. I go, what if I did it through two great Americans who would eventually come together? But I also read up from slavery and here's why you would like the book. It just talks about two Americans in rough circumstances, physically with Teddy Roosevelt, almost mm-hmm. died, asthma and all that, um, lost his his wife and his mom in the same day. Even though he had money, it doesn't mean he had an easy life. And then you have another guy born to slavery until he was nine years old. And I read up from slavery and I put the book down. I could not stop thinking about it. And I just thought, who could I pair this with? Because there's been so many biographies and he wrote his own and updated three or four times, like Frederick Douglass. And then I see Teddy Roosevelt all over it. And I went to the Roosevelt people, and I say, am I dreaming to talk about this friendship, or is this just a couple of years? And they go, no, no, this is real, not often written about. They helped me, did a Fox Nation special on it. And if people want to say in 2023, I got to take a knee at a football game because we're not racially sensitive enough, if you want to kneel down at a U.S. national soccer team game because you don't feel as though – uh, life is fair for all uh, races, uh, creeds, and colors. Get in perspective. He was born in the segregated South as a slave, loved the country, and all he did is try to educate generations at Tuskegee and then spread that throughout the country without any bitterness, without any hate. Could have went anywhere and been a celebrity. Instead, he starts teaming with great Americans like Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, Teddy Roosevelt, William McKinley, yeah. Grover Cleveland, and made us better. And that's my hope. You'll read this and love the country a little more while still being very happy with Segregated South. You know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I'm, I'm watching a show on HBO called The Gilded Age right now, and Booker T. Washington is in it, at least for a couple wow. episodes that, I, that I'm in at the moment, and Tuskegee and, and all of that. And one of the things that I keep thinking as I'm watching it is, boy, you know, for as terrible as obviously slavery was and all of the inequality and everything else, the way it's framed in the show is there were a lot of people trying to get past it. And th- we're talking now, you know, 150 years ago, roughly. And, and I think we really do forget that more than anything else. I, that's what you're referencing with the people that are kneeling and everything else, that these guys, they were trying it when it was much harder to do and they were succeeding in a lot of ways. So there's this, you know, the famous White House dinner when he invites Booker T. Washington for dinner because he's a great man, not that he's black or white. And the whole portions of the country erupt into a scandal. How dare Teddy Roosevelt diminish the white race by bringing in a black man to have with him, even if he's the most famous black man in America and the most respected, perhaps, on all walks. Not everywhere. It's outrageous. The headlines will just make you almost pass out with anger and, and distraught. However, he overcame it all. They just brought their relationship under the wire. He became a key resource with naming judges and everything else. Told him about what African-Americans need. He became a keynote speaker at Tuskegee, one one on Tuskegee's board. And this is a man who was brought up by a Confederate mom whose whose two brothers fought for the South. Mm -hmm. So think about Teddy Roosevelt overcoming the times. Still said some things that will make you say, wow, he's clearly got some blind spots. But these guys just saw opportunity to make the country better and and while while loving it and also knew that they couldn't rush it. There's certain things in America that we weren't ready. And I'll give you one great story. I know you got a million interviews. But so Teddy Roosevelt and Booker T. Washington have dinner and it caused a great uproar. But they knew they did nothing wrong and he was going to be an advisor anyway. 
So Booker T. Washington's waiting for a train in the South to go north. And a Y walks up to him and says, you Booker T. Washington? He says, yeah, because you're a great American. You might be our greatest American. He said, no, thank you. But the greatest American is our president, Teddy Roosevelt. He said, I used to think so till he invited you over for dinner. Hmm. Now think about that so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And he, this guy did not know he insulted me. And he does, and that type of level of, on my word, ignorance, he said, I'm not mad at him. I just took it in. I told, he told President Roosevelt about the story. They both laughed. And he said, I have to let sleeping dogs lie. I'm not going to fight every battle. And that's what got W.E.B. Du Bois angry. Why are you so accepting of injustice? He's like, no, this is the world I'm in. I'm making it better while in the South. Yeah. And, and not, I'm not saying everyone of the South in his era, in the turn of the century, 20th century, was racist segregationists. They weren't. But there was a lot of people who grew up being told that whites and blacks were different and there was different uh, capabilities for both. He said, I don't hate them. I'm just going to change their minds by our actions. The other thing, Dave, that they do, everyone who went to Tuskegee learned to trade. So he said, you have to be indispensable. If they're not, people aren't ready to hire you, they have to hire you because you're too valuable. Couldn't we all learn a little some of that right now? Instead of affirmative action, maybe actually having skills and proving it and, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Brian, I, I really wish we had more time. I'm absolutely going to read the book. And I think I'm on Fox and Friends on Friday morning. So we'll pick it up then. All right. I'll have some look forward to. Let's make sure we don't wear the same outfit. <laughs> but we will make fun of Greg Gutfeld. How about that? If that right, let's, agree, <laughs> let's agree to that. Dave, congratulations on everything. And I'm on locals too now. Oh, you are? All right. We're going to yes. link down to your locals. And of course, we'll link down to the book. All right. Thanks a lot. Go get him, Dave. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.